0: 43, District 1, Engine 51, response, cardiac arrest. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. This is Dr. Casey Patrick, and today we have our cardiac coordinator, all things ST elevation MI, occlusion MI, Brad Ward. Hello. And we're going to talk about a specific EKG pattern today and maybe try to make it into sort of a fable. I don't know, there's a moral to the story. Yeah. that I'm maybe stretching it a bit, but we're going to try to talk through what real life problems exist, hurdles, when we have new education that comes to light, new thought, and then how that applies to real life and how medicine's just pretty darn complex, especially in the world of EMS and emergency medicine. Over the past 10 years, we're in uncharted waters as far as knowledge translation speed. When you were in paramedic school, Brad, I was in med school, we had textbooks. And that was about it. I did get MRAP on CDs via mail, the snail mail, the US Postal Service. And I could listen to some teachers that weren't mine from across the United States out in Los Angeles mel herbert and the gang had mrap started back then that's evolved into probably the preeminent emergency medicine education package mrap and they're, they're awesome but really i could only hear my teachers where i went to school you could hear your teachers sure. at your paramedic school you had the paramedic text which one did you have i had dr Bledsoe's. i had Tintinalli's emergency medicine text we didn't have that many inputs and honestly I'm probably somewhat lucky because I'm a little bit scattered. And if i had had a thousand inputs like our students have today, I would have gotten lost in the static.
1: It's a lot to look at.
0: And this is, I don't want to be too old man yells at cloud here. Get off my lawn sort of situation. This is not a social media bashing session. Having access to education sources from all over the country, all over the globe, is a blessing. I I love life in the fast lane for EKG references and absolutely for sure. I would have never had access to that 20 years ago. Um, but there's also like everything there's good and bad, the double edged sword, whatever you want to call it. And a recent case pushed me to complete this episode because this concept has been floating around in my brain. I wanted to talk about it, but the recent case that I had really pushed me over the edge, sort of full circle here, to package this up into a final discussion. And I wanted to center around three emergency medicine, EMS tenants that are gonna be true, I believe forever, as long as we're practicing and learning and committed to lifelong learning and being better at this job. Number one, trust but verify. Number two, you never make any decision based on an EKG alone. Yeah always going to be a patient paired with that EKG. in emergency medical care, whether you're talking about emergency medicine or EMS medicine and the similarities and the overlap, it just is wicked difficult early on. There's no way around that. So let's start with a history lesson. One of the early STEMI equivalents that we talked about here at MCHD that I learned about in the FOMED world, this was pushed forward with the occlusion MI, non-occlusion MI paradigm. Dr. Smith's and his crew that have push this forward. One of those early STEMI equivalents, and define STEMI equivalent for the listeners that haven't heard us talk about this, Brad. What's the STEMI equivalent?
1: Sure. It's something that doesn't necessarily qualify for a traditional textbook STEMI. Think Dewinter's T-Waves, um, but it's indicative of an ongoing occlusive process.
0: And one of the first ones I believe that I remember is the ST elevation in AVR with diffuse ST depression pattern that was pushed forward. My best guess on timing is probably five to seven years ago. Um And this is not disclaimer, this is not a knock against the occlusion MI concept. See past podcasts this is This is coming in our world sure. and the idea that STEMI is an imperfect paradigm, I accept, and I believe. but this single pattern, this ST elevation in AVR, this lead that we never looked at, and we got ST depression everywhere else, the idea that this is a STEMI equivalent might have gotten a little ahead of the evidence. So let's do a little little mini journal club time. What is the evidence for ST elevation and AVR with diffused ST depression being an acute occlusion? That's the, that's the question that we wanted to ask specifically, what is the incidence of acute coronary occlusion with that pattern? So Harhash and others from down in Arizona looked at their STEMI activations from January of 2014 to April of 2018, so about four years of STEMI activations at the University of Arizona, so Academic Center. Uh, this was published in the American Journal of Emergency Medicine in 2019. And what did they find? Well, before we get to what they found, what did they assess? And they looked at all STEMI activations. So they took all of the STEMI activations that were coming into the hospital and they assigned those EKGs to two cardiologists. And they said, find all the ST elevation and AVR diffuse ST defre- depression patterns. So that's the ones we, we care about. So let's find all those. The outcome was the presence of an acute occlusion on PCI. So when they went to the cath lab, how many of those AVR, ST elevation, diffuse ST depression, EKGs had an acute occlusion? And how did they define that? Abrupt vessel cutoff with contrast staining, which is standard common, or easy wire passage, meaning okay. that that's a soft clot or soft occlusion so to speak the longer and the more mature they are harder they get harder it gets to pass a wire pretty standard stuff within the emergency medicine adjacent cardiology literature so during that time period they had almost 900 854 activations 847 those had ekgs available those numbers make sense they found 99 12 percent with ST elevation and AVR diffuse ST depression pattern. So not a zillion, but they, no, got, a, but they, they got a hundred of these EKGs. And they looked and they said, all right, now these, these cardiologists that reviewed these EKGs had no knowledge of the case. They had no knowledge of the patients. They were just, they sat them down and said, find these EKGs. In the interest of time, their agreement was really good. They yep. picked out the same EKGs. So they found 99 ST elevation and AVR Diffuse ST depression pattern, EKGs. Now, a separate cardiologist sat down and looked at all the angiography from those patients. Now, all 99 didn't get PCI, only 79 of the 99 did. And you may say, well, that's eighty percent. what did the other twenty percent get? And those it's kind of common sense. Not every activation goes to the cath lab. Why sure. do some of them not go, Brad?
1: And they could have had a known coronary artery disease, they known extensive disease that they knew they were gonna have to intervene on, so those went directly to a cabbage. There's could be a neuro emergency if you're talking about a clotting process. You can clot other places than your heart. And then obvious cardiac arrests
0: that occurred,
1: and then really, really long downtimes.
0: Yeah. If it was a trauma if it was somebody who had a cath last week, those, that makes it
1: too medically unstable for a different reason.
0: That makes total sense. If you think it's a, an aortic dissection, that's got neuro involvement and ST elevation. There's lots of reasons to have ST elevation that aren't acute occlusion. And sometimes those may determine or direct the decision-making before we even get to PCI, like, Hey, we're not going there. Right. This patient's got an ICH, or we think they've got a thoracic dissection, or they've been down for 50 minutes and they're 92 years old and there's no viable recovery here. Those EKGs were all in that stack. So those 20 came out because they didn't go to PCI. Now they've got 79 angiography cases that all have ST elevation and AVR with ST depression. Now what we get to? Well, these were mid-60s, about 50-50 male-female. Eight of the 79. Eight. I'm, I'm not a mathematician, but eight of 79 is 10%. It's
1: yep, lower than we expected.
0: 10% of those angiography Reviews showed an acute occlusion. So, say that again. They had 79 patients with ST elevation in AVR, diffuse ST depression confirmed by two cardiologists. They had an interventionalist come in and look at those angiography images and said, eh, eight of those have an acute occlusion. Ten percent. Is that a STEMI equivalent? Probably not. Probably not. Now." of those had clear coronaries. Ooh, that's kind of concerning. Not great. 60% had bad coronary artery disease. So these were, these were sick patients. Half of them needed intubation. One in seven needed balloon pumps or impellas. The mortality rate was astonishing here. Tell us, there's what the mortality rate
1: was. Yeah, thirty percent mortality rate, as compared to around six to eight for your regular garden variety STEMI.
0: We talk about this all the time on the podcast. Your mortality rate for a STEMI is somewhere between six and eight percent for this EKG pattern. Even though only ten percent had an acute occlusion, as defined and described and interpreted by an interventional cardiologist, one in three of these folks died. Sick sick, sick patients. So what were the other 90%? They were PEs. They were dissections. They were sepsis patients. They were subarachnoid hemorrhages. Half of them needed intubation. A quarter of them had clear coronaries, but 30% of them died. One in seven needed circulatory support from a balloon pump or an impella. So what I want to avoid saying here is that this EKG pattern is useless. It is not useless. That seems it?
1: to be pretty indicative of how sick that patient is.
0: In the world of STEMI scene times, door to balloon times, and what I like to call the metric madness of today, sometimes the patient gets lost. Yeah. And we care about STEMI scene times. We're doing a great job. We are. Since our uh, CE review recently. So I don't want to belittle the metrics that we use, but underneath those metrics is nuance and complexity. and. You look at an EKG and you're saying all my decision-making power is going into this STEMI activation or not, don't let that blind you to other things that can really point towards severe disease that may not be a STEMI activation. So they didn't find tons of acute occlusions, but they sure found what I would say is a marker of critical illness in these patients. So if you see you're on the truck and you get a sick patient who has chest pain, shortness of breath, chest pain and shortness of breath, and you see ST elevation in AVR with diffuse ST depression, you better fire moves. That's a moves patient. For sure. It may not be a STEMI activation, but it better have pads on. You better have oxygen on. You better
1: have- You need to be very thoughtful how you take care of these patients.
0: Vascular access, you better have push dose ready, a norepinephrine drip ready. And you better have a, a sedation plan and a blood sugar. These are sick, sick patients. I just removed reviewed moves there pretty quickly. Yep. Get your pads on. This is a this is a 30% mortality patient. This is the patient that by mortality rate is sicker than a standard STEMI patient. Correct. We're not gonna get on Pulsera or on our radio and say we've got a STEMI activation. But if I'm in the E D and you've got this pattern, hey doc, there's ST elevation in AVR with diffuse ST depression, my mind's going to go to all of these high mortality diseases. Could be coronary artery disease. Sure. Some of those had CAD, but PE, dissection, sepsis, subarachnoid are all on my list. So in the end, we're not gonna activate these, right?
1: Yeah, we're not going to activate these at STEMI. They don't meet STEMI criteria. However, if you're taking care of, when you when you are taking care of the pre-hospital chest pain patient or pre-hospital suspected cardiac event patient, STEMI or not STEMI is definitely a game that we play. But just because you say, nope, not STEMI does not mean these
0: people are healthy. So what drove me to completing this podcast from the draft that I've had saved, partially finished on paper, partially finished in my brain, case is worth a million words pictures worth a thousand words a case is worth a million i had a case recently that really brought this full circle in my mind to why i wanted to talk to y'all about it mchd listeners and other listeners mid 60s acute chest pain ems field activation i get the ekg i take a look Lo and behold, if you're a psychic or you're going to predict out there, what pattern did I see, Bradley?
1: Well, I'd say it would be elevation in AVR with diffuse depression.
0: And I thought to myself, stellar move, paramedic. That is a concerning EKG. Good catch. But not an activation where we are today. Maybe it would have been in 2017 or 2018. So I held the EKG in my hand, took a look, talked to the charge nurse. I said, hey, this patient's probably sick, but we're not going to activate the cath lab. Let's hold. Let's see what happens when they when they get here. So I held on pre-hospital cath activation. I know that that sometimes can frustrate paramedics, but I wanted to see the patient first. I knew the data from the previously discussed paper, and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't sending a PE or a dissection or a subarachnoid or a septic patient, carbon monoxide poison patient. There's all kinds of uh, mimickers in there that could be, the cause of the EKG finding and not an acute coronary occlusion. I want to see the patient first. Well, guess what arrived? Diaphoretic, clutching chest, bad. The worst coronary disease history I've heard in a while. Multiple stents, cabbages. Last stent was about 18 months before. So definitely quacking like a duck. Quacking like a duck. So then the medic says, yeah, we've, we've given the patient a couple doses of morphine. For nitro, patient took some nitro of their own before we got there. Didn't touch it. Didn't touch it, and I mean diaphoretic. I mean sweat. I mean Levine sign, clutching textbook. Couldn't be more textbook in the highest risk cardiac patient. So now I look at myself and I say, hmm, this gets a little more dicey. And I texted the EKG to my cardiologist on call. It was late in the day on a weekday, so the. Cath lab team, I presume, was still in house. So, this wasn't an, an off hours decision situation. I just said, Hey, this patient doesn't look good. And the SD depression actually worsened over three repeat EKGs in the first 10 minutes. We'll link the EKGs and the previously discussed paper in the show notes. But I was concerned. And what did I get back from the cardiology?
1: Nope, consult? not a STEMI.
0: Nope, not a STEMI. And I said, I know it's not a STEMI. But what are our indications for cardiac catheterization? In the current STEMI paradigm there are really two indications the first one
1: is the elevation
0: the second one is concern for acute coronary occlusion with pain not controlled with opiates nitrates and ed pain management that's sort of the textbook cath in indication is you think it's an occur- evolving cardiac event that you can't control the pain pain intractable from cardiac causes is an indication for cath. Sort of the old school reason to go to the cath lab, but I fell back on it. I said, you know, I can can get a troponin here and we can see what the troponin says. Her pain had started just a couple hours beforehand. So the first troponin wasn't, maybe not super reliable. It is a high sensitivity situation, so more reliable than it would have been a few years ago. But I leaned into, hey, this patient looks awful. They've received adequate. And it was good morphine doses. It was good nitro doses. I said, we're really in an intractable pain situation already. I can throw some more opiate on board. I can throw a nitro drip on board, but we know this patient has bad disease. And I know this pattern is not always acute coronary occlusion, but sometimes it is. 10 percent's not no percent. So I pushed for cath. And thankfully I pushed for cath because I jostled in my brain. Part of my brain said, hey, I know this isn't always acute occlusion, and this isn't a STEMI equivalent, but this patient was a STEMI equivalent, yeah. really is what it turned out. 99% LAD occlusion, acute, and the even wilder part, what did we say our mortality rate was in these patients? 30%. 30%. How many of them got intubated? Half? Yeah. We had acute respiratory failure on this patient requiring intubation and ICU stay. Now, Thankfully, outcome was good, and we weren't in that one-third mortality rate. But to me, it really brought it back full circle from a fable, moral-of-the-story standpoint, is that got to trust but verify. When thought leaders, I put us on the list, I don't know if we're thought leaders, but we're out there talking once a month about EMS medicine. If you go back and listen to some of our old podcasts, there's some outdated things there there's some things where literature has progressed. So when you hear FOMED resources talk about something and you wanna jump on that train and you wanna be early and get a good seat up front, just remember to A, trust but verify and continue verification because the literature and the direction of medicine is always going to change.
1: Yep, none of these are the final chapter on any of this. It'll change from here moving forward.
0: Secondly, your EKG interpretation always should include the patient. And in this situation, what I saw wasn't a STEMI equivalent in today's world, but the patient I saw sure was. Sure. And that patient did not respond to any conservative management, had active ongoing pain with diaphoresis and a worrisome history beyond belief. So yeah, um, you gotta compare the patient with the EKG. And in this situation, AVR ST elevation and diffuse ST depression may not be an occlusion MI, but it's probably worse. Half of them get intubated and a third of them die. Cath lab was the right decision in this patient. Now, I'll tell you a little bit more about the details and my clinical course in this patient. I asked very specific and very thorough PE, subarachnoid, thoracic dissection questions, exams, bilateral blood pressures. And I know there's holes in all those things, but the calves got examined. Right. The, That's due diligence. The upper extremity pulses got checked. The upper extremity pressures got checked. Radiation to the back got checked. PE risk factors got checked. So if the patient had had any of those things, we probably would have paused for a, a CT scan. Uh, if there had been headache or altered mental sca- status, obviously we would have been doing a head scan. Right. Uh, that got considered and probably more so than it would have been an everyday STEMI. Quote, Absolutely. Unquote. Uh, but that was because I know that that's a sick patient. And so what I want y'all to take home as listeners is don't throw ST elevation and AVR with ST depression out. We may not activate the cath lab and stick to your protocols out there, wherever you work in EMS, we don't activate those patients here at MCHD, but these should be MOVES patients. For our in-charges and captains and district chiefs out there, if you see this pattern, that patient should get pads and should get early access, and should have vasopressors ready, and should have oxygenation maximized, sugar, sedation plan, that all our moves tenants should be applied to these patients because we know their mortality's high. And lastly, whether it's us here at the MCHD Paramedic Podcast, whether you're an MRAP listener, MCRIT, uh, Rebel EM, all the places that that we like and that we follow, we're all fallible, and we're all at the mercy of the current evidence and everybody has the potential to maybe get a little too enthusiastic about an EKG pattern or a new manuscript or their pet project and so always 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 trust but verify and that's true for free open access medical education or really any education any of it. because have you seen crappy paragraphs in textbooks 100 percent. absolutely even in the good Dr. Bledsoe's. Even Bloodso's, in the really good textbooks. Even in Dr. Tentanelli's textbooks and all of those classic tomes out there. There are paragraphs and sentences in there that we all would probably edit. So thank y'all for listening. Watch for ST elevation and AVR with diffuse ST depression. Know those patients are sick. Put the Moose bundle in place and let the ER doc know that you've got a very concerning EKG pattern.
1: With a very concerning patient attached
0: And if they've got clutching chest, diaphoresis, and a history of stents and cabbage, it may be an occlusion MI. Sure. You've got to pair the patient with the EKG. You've got to trust but verify. And lastly, this job, when we have limited information and we've been in the patient's contact for 20 minutes, a half an hour, an hour, evidence changing all the time, all these inputs coming in, it's a wicked, wicked, difficult job. And so thank you all for listening to us and trying to get better at this whole thing that's what we're doing that's what I do that's what that's what Brad does and we would encourage you to do the same as always leave a like or a review wherever you listen or watch if you're watching on YouTube or listening on where you listen to podcasts please leave us a five star we don't like four stars we are sensitive here we have very sensitive feelings and sometimes it makes it difficult for me to get out of bed when I see four star reviews Follow us, subscribe to us. That's important too. Please do that. Send us feedback. We like feedback. Podcast at mchd-tx.org. I love getting good questions and podcast ideas from our listeners. We check our YouTube messages. We check our podcast email all the time. It comes right to me, or it comes to our PIO Misty, who sends them to me and lets me try to answer the medical questions. So thank you all for listening. Hopefully you liked this episode. This was an evolution. I like it. I told my wife today that i like this episode so it'll probably be listened to by about 25 people sometimes the ones that i like are the least listening to but thank you for getting to this point in this episode we'll talk to y'all again soon be back with a new episode